This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms. I'm Liz Gill with our co-host, Professor Richard Dershin from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Today we'll have our guest, Angela Davis-Morris of the Davis-Morris Law Firm, and we'll be talking about Social Security Disability Law. We'll tell, you the, we'll tell you the law, and we'll take your questions about the law. Please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send an email to inlegalterms at mpbonline.org. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. I'm joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And this morning, we're going to take your questions about Social Security Disability Law. Give us a call this morning. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to inlegalterms at MPB online.org. Good morning, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz, and uh, it's great to uh, talk with you again and to have Angela Davis-Morris on the show today to talk about disability and Social Security. We're gl- very glad to have her. So uh, what's what? T- there's, there's so much news and so much legal news uh, as, uh, that we hear on, uh, on MPB and that we read in the newspaper. Uh, what would you like to uh, tell us about this morning? Well, you know, one thing that uh, a question that's come up uh, recently is whether a sitting president can be indicted. Um, you know, the, the thought has always been that probably the right process would be impeachment if we had a problem with the president that was that serious. The president would be impeached before and removed from office before uh, they could be indicted. Uh, but there actually has surfaced a memo um, written for Judge Ken Starr at the time of the investigation of Bill Clinton uh, for possible criminal uh, activities. And the memo was written by uh, Professor Ron Rotunda, who is a noted expert in constitutional law. And Professor Rotunda says it's proper constitutional and legal for a federal grand jury to indict a sitting president for serious criminal acts that are not part of and are contrary to the president's official duties. So, you know, it's something that uh, uh, was considered at the time Bill Clinton was president. Uh, he ultimately uh, came. Uh, the, the the impeachment process was started. It did not uh, was not uh, successful, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and he remained president. The similarly, people are talking about you know if if there was a crime committed by uh, President Trump, could he be indicted for it? My own perspective is probably the best thing is uh, impeachment first. But the concern about that is the statute of limitations. So. You know, the impeachment process takes time, and certain crimes are time-barred after a certain period of time. Now, one thing that's pretty clear uh, is that a sitting president can be sued civilly as long as uh, they're being sued for something that did not does not affect their decisions as, as president. So, uh, for example, Bill Clinton was, in fact, sued by Paula Jones. Uh, that suit was allowed to go forward as a civil suit because it was not uh, from a time when he was president. So interesting, it's, you know, a lot of these uh, questions that we used to just think about on law, law school exams are now uh, being circulated and considered for real. Yeah, I, I suppose we, the law applies to 
its citizens, but we also have to take into account the president of the United States and what laws a sitting president uh, can uh, apply to him and to make sure he's accountable yet also give him the ability to run the country. Well, and I think that's right. And we want we want we don't want to tie the president's hands either. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, privilege that goes we should go with being president or being a member of Congress. People and members of Congress are protected for uh, certain free speech during their uh, their debates, et cetera. Uh, it, you know, even to protect them against, uh, uh, give them immunity against maybe things that they say that might be libelous. Uh, and so, um, you know, we want we want our government to be able to work together. But the other thing is we have the other two branches, Congress and the judicial branch, that are a check against the executive branch. And so, the, again, the way I think the Constitution is supposed to work is if we have a, a serious problem with the president, there are removal procedures in the Constitution, and those usually fall to Congress. Well, it's good to keep up with current events. That is not going to be our topic for this in legal terms. In this in legal terms, we have our guest, Angela Davis Morris from the Davis Morris Law Firm. And she is a Mississippi gal um, and uh, attended uh, University of Southern Miss and Ole Miss and practices in Hattiesburg. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Good to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I practice law, as you mentioned. I have been doing disability law for almost 25 years. Hard to believe I'm that old. But um, I am the immediate past president of the National Organization of Social Security Claimants Representatives, also past president of the uh, regional organization as well. Done a lot of trainings, a lot of conferences, a lot of radio, television. Um, this is sort of my, my niche, I guess. Well, we're so glad that you're here today and you'll be able to answer questions that our listeners have. And listeners, if you do have any questions about Social Security Disability Law, we'll be taking them this hour. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's an easy way to think about it, but uh, when you're actually looking at the keypad, type in 1-877-672-7464. And we'll proceed with our uh, disability law. So uh, what what does it mean to be disabled for Social Security disability purposes? That is a primary question, and it's really, really important because how Social Security sees disability is not how we as ordinary citizens see disability. Their idea of disability is um, is under a statute. It's under uh, particular rules and requires that you prove the inability to work due to a medical problem that is expected to last 365 days. Okay. So it's all work, not just the work you know, not just the work in the region, not just the work that the bus can take you to. Um, it's all work, and it has to be due to a medical problem or medical problems. It can be combinations of problems. And there really are no excluded disabilities, so to speak, um, or none particularly. But the proof is the issue. You have to have the medical record to show your limitations. What the judges and the the fact finders want to see are functional limitations. Why can't you work? And that's really what they're looking for. All right. And, uh, you know, I, I noticed on the, the, the website for Social Security that they do try to work with physicians so that everyone is trying to speak the same language. They try, but their physicians are not trained in Social Security disability law. They're not used to the lingo. So a lot of times we'll try to send forms that have something defined for them. So, that, But they, that gets a little complicated, and it's almost like two different people with two different languages trying to communicate. Um, it can be very difficult. To get what you need. All right. So if someone uh, feels that they are disabled uh, and they are prevented from working for 365 (laughs) days, what's the next step? Um, They should file an application. The, The idea is, in my mind at least, is to file early. And not day one. You have a bike rack, you don't file for disability, okay? And unless it's with an 18-wheeler and it was a huge mess, okay? Um, but if as soon as you realize that this is a long-term thing that's going to take a lot of recovery and you're not going to be able to work um, during the pendency of your recovery, go ahead and file. You can always withdraw that application later. And it's really easy. Just call your local Social Security office. A lot of it can be done online. And I say easy. The process sounds easy. It was supposed to be user-friendly, but it... The paperwork itself can be a little complicated, but the idea is call Social Security, get that 
perfected filing date in and then then proceed because you can save your date and that matters or may matter down the road. Okay, so once uh, someone has determined that they are disabled, they have uh, maybe have tried this or that and realized that they aren't able to go back to work, uh, once they do make that filing, about how long does it take uh, for the wheels to start going? They start moving immediately, but they move very, very slowly. <laughs> they just grind, if you will. Um, once you file an application, you can expect several months before you hear anything. And there are some ex- there are some exceptions to that. I'm talking about the general procedure. Um, generally, you file an application, you will likely be denied. Know it's coming. Expect it. Don't stick your head in the sand when you get that denial. Appeal your case. You have 60 days plus five days mailing to get that done. That usually takes about four months. Once you file the second one, that's a reconsideration. That may take another few months. Same thing. When you get that denial, and I say when, because it's probably going to happen. You can expect it. I noticed that from the Social Security website. It was almost (laughs) as much information about... a feeling, uh, filing an appeal as there was uh, for filing. So Absolutely. why do they get denied immediately so frequently? Um, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. The rules are very difficult. They're also very complicated, and they're also age-based. And so a lot of things play there. What's supposed to happen in a perfect world is when you file your application, you're supposed to be able to give them all the doctors, all the medical facilities, all the entities that you've seen with regard to your problems. And Social Security will reach out and request those records. If they come in, great. If they don't, they don't. So very often, and it's just the job. It's not, I'm not faulting any particular person. It's just the process that generally if, if a medical entity doesn't, um, doesn't respond and there's no one there fighting for you to get those records, then they don't have full information. And so they're going to make a decision based on a limited bit of information. And it's likely not going to be complete and they're not really going to know what's going on with you. All right. Well, when we come back from the break, uh, we'll talk some more about Social Security Disability Law with our guest, Angela Davis-Morris from the Davis Morris Law Firm and also our host, Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. We haven't forgotten about you out there, Professor Gershon. And uh, I'm your host, Liz Gill. Give us a call this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll take your call from South Haven, from Jackson, from all over the state. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to MPB's Think Radio's In Legal Terms. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert, and we're joined by our guest attorney, Angela Davis-Moritz, and we're discussing... Social Security Disability Law. Our call, our call number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'd like your questions. We'd like your comments. Uh, speaking of comments, Professor Gershon, uh, do you have any comments uh, uh, about our uh, initial explanation about Social Security Disability Law that we've been given this morning? Well, Angela's doing a great job, but I, w- I do have a question, and that is, um, you know, one thing that I would want to know if I if I became disabled, couldn't work, um, the Social Security application process is one thing, but how do I how do I cover my medical bills in that time when I'm not uh, working and I'm not getting Social Security? Are there any safety nets for me there? There really aren't any good ones. Um, it's a really sad situation. Uh, we recommend. Sliding scale clinics, some of the, um, like the university, you know, has some programs that 
are available for people who don't have, you know, certain income levels and whatnot. And we have a whole list of those at our office that we offer to people when they call. But it's it's really a sad situation. I wish I had the perfect answer for that, but I don't. Well, we have some calls this morning. Roger and Jackson, we'll get to you in just a moment. But first, we're going to go to Patricia in South Haven, and she has a question about working on disability. Thanks for calling in, Patricia. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, First off, I do want to say I think uh, Social Security disability is a great uh, benefit uh, for people that are disabled and helps them and their families. Uh, But I did have my question is that I've got, you know, some work around my house or whatever, and I've had people tell me they'll they'll do some work, but they want to be paid in cash because they're on disability. And so, you know, I'm thinking, well, uh, okay, but I, I, you know, um, that causes me some issues, especially I have some rental property I have to do a 1099, so I can't employ them. But uh, the question is, you know, what is this legality? What are the limits on them earning money and, you know, that kind of thing? Uh, and if that is an issue, what, what can, should I report them or what? Thank you very much. I think it depends on the level of work. When Social Security is looking at work and what is work, they're thinking basically eight hours a day, five days a week. And most of the people who are on disability could probably do something for an hour or maybe two hours. Or they, you know, they might be able to do something on an extremely limited basis or maybe even part time. And so there are some limits and there's some income they can receive, but they can't be deemed to be working. And working at this point to Social Security is about $1,170 a month. And they change that yearly yearly with the cost of living change. Um, So right now that's what it is. And there is a child work period that's allowed for about nine months. And it's nine months out of 60 months, so it's not necessarily consecutive. So there are some allowances for work. It isn't necessarily illegal. Um, cash is questionable. I think I'll, I'll defer to someone else on that. But I think, um, of course, that's a conscience issue as well. And, and you, you know, have your own 1099 issues and things that you need to deal with. So reporting it, I mean, that's also a conscience thing. If it's just a matter of, you know, somebody needs to pick up sticks and they have a mental disability and they just couldn't keep it together if there were anybody else around, let them do it for 15 minutes or 20 or a half hour or whatever. And I, I don't really think that's a big deal. I think it's how big deal, how big of a deal it is and whether, it breaches your conscience. And I think at that point, you know, you could certainly call and report if you needed to. Thank you so much for your call, Patricia. Next, we're going to move on to Roger in Jackson. Roger, thanks for holding on. What's your question or comment for our show? Well, it's been largely covered, and I I have the same concerns as the previous caller uh, because I've seen instances, I've been personally familiar with instances of people, young people, not not of age, uh, who are on full-time Social Security disability because of something like uh, diabetes or whatever. They've qualified. They're getting Social Security. But they're obviously earning a living, driving expensive pickup trucks and doing things. And so uh, I do not think it's a matter of just a conscience. I think it's an illegality. And I do not think that we should just wink at it and look the other way. I do think we should do something about it. And if the person can defend their activities and their uh, income and show that it's not cash, et cetera, et cetera, then fine. But so my question is, what is the enforcement mechanism and what can a person or should a person do other than wink and look the other way uh, when they know that something like this is going on as a good citizen and a taxpayer? Yeah, that's you have a real concern there, and that, and I agree with you that that those are issues, and those are things that we really shouldn't let slide. And Social Security accepts those phone calls, and they will make um, make a report of contact, is what they call it, and they send it in. There's actually a fraud branch that can review cases, and they're very active. So if they get these kinds of calls, and they send someone out to look, and they think it's a big deal or something, you know, if they really think the person is making. Um, what they would consider substantial gainful activity, which is work to us, um, or $1,170 a month, then they can try to review them or put them under review, and the person would have to defend that and also potentially their medical impairment and whether or not it met the disability rules. 
So there's certainly a mechanism out there, and Social Security is very interested in that. Thank you so much for your call, Roger. We appreciate it. This morning, uh, you can give us a call. We love to have your comments or your questions. We're talking about Social Security Disability Law. Our guest is attorney Angela Davis-Morris of the Davis-Morris Law Firm. We also have Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm your host, Liz Gill. You can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 1- So we've talked about uh, receiving benefits. What uh, there's a a couple of different names I'm not familiar with. What's the difference between Social Security disability insurance benefits and supplemental security income benefits? People throw those terms around. They call it SSDI, SSI, SSD, Supplemental Security, whatever, whatever. I mean, there's there are all kinds of names that, that you hear, and they're kind of hard to pull apart unless you really know what they stand for. Disability insurance is actually your money. That's what's been taken out of your check and paid in and causes you to be, quote, insured for Social Security disability benefits. It's no other insurance just for the right to claim benefits if you meet the rules. And, and is that part of your FICA? Is that is. what comes out yes. every month? Yes. So while you're working, they're taking money out of your check and they're sending it in. And at a certain point, you become insured. And then once you stop working, at a certain point afterwards, you become uninsured. So there's a period um, during which you are actually eligible for those benefits. That benefit is usually more than the alternate SSI benefit. It's equal to the normal what you would receive at normal retirement age. And it's not dependent on resources. So if you win the lottery or Great Aunt Mary passes and leaves you a million dollars, it's not going to affect your benefits. Um, there are some other things that carries Medicare after 29 months of benefits or eligibility. So that is a, it's a more secure benefit, if you will. The other is supplemental security income, and it is needs-based. So you have to prove disability and that you meet the rules for disability for both programs, either one. But you also have to prove that your resources are low enough to get SSI. So if Grain Aunt Sally wins the lottery and you're on SSI, you would potentially be cut off unless there's some mechanism in place to keep that from traveling to you or that income or resource traveling to you. So they're different, and the amount for SSI is actually lower. It's $735 a month, and that's where it starts. So if there's income in the household, they can actually subtract away from that, and your benefit might actually be less. Okay, so the most you could get for SSI would be 735, but it um it carries Medicaid as opposed to Medicare. And is that 735? Does that is that indexed? Does that change from year to year? Yes, it does, depending on the cola cost of living. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how so the 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 disability decisions? Um, how are they made? Who decides? Uh, if someone is disabled? Depends on where you are. If you file an application, you're going to have a decision made by someone at the at Disability Determination Services. It's a disability examiner. And they um, are apprised of the rules, and they receive whatever records come in, and they look at them and, and compare them and make a decision. Same at the reconsideration level. Different person, same job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the hearing level, you'll have an administrative law judge to look at your at your file. And that is actually the first time that you get to look at the person who makes the decision, which I think it makes a huge difference. You can actually talk to them and have a conversation with them. Right. But they have the same rules, and the same rules apply at every level. Well, we're so glad we've got a, a number of calls. And if you have a question and you would like to uh, ask your question to our attorney, Angela Davis Morris, or if you have a comment, you can give us a call at 1 877 MPB ring. That's 1 877 672 7464. Um, we're going to go now to Mindenhall and Linda is on the call on the line. Linda, what's your question or comment for us today? I have a question today regarding um, once a person is disabled. Uh, my daughter was a school teacher and had to uh, leave her job because she has lupus and kept thinking that it would get better. I think it's been about three years since she has worked, worked, got progressively worse. So my my question has to do with um, the time frame 
is it too late for her to refile for disability? Potentially, no. Um, it would depend partly on several things. One would be her work record. If she worked consistently for 10 years and then stopped. 15 years. 15 okay, years. You may have said that. I apologize. I, I didn't pick that yeah. up. But she um, generally you're insured for about five years after you stop working if you've worked consistently prior to that. So it sounds to me like she's still within that, may still be within that window. And if that's not an option, SSI is certainly available, but her resources would have to be very low. Yes. So this is not okay. a situation like state retirement or one of the others where you kind of have a time frame. Um, mm-hmm. As long as you're insured and or your resources are low enough, you can file any time as long as your proof is there. So she'd need her medical proof to show her limitations. Yeah. Angela, okay. mm-hmm. if I can ask, um, I'm sorry to interrupt the caller, but I, if, if she has, if, if someone has uh, a disability policy through their employer that's separate from the SSDI, can they are they allowed to take payments from both or it, does one have primacy over the other? Actually, that comes down to a contract question, but um, generally people uh, use that and it's certainly legal to do that, but there's usually a provision in the contract with the disability insurance company, not Social Security, that says you must file for Social Security disability insurance and if you get it, then here's how we're going to handle the offset or payback, depending on what the contract says. So certainly you can do that and I recommend doing that. Um, and the contract then would require them to file for disability, generally. Um, most of them will. Just just one more comment. I think that uh, I wanted to say she did not uh, leave her job like with disability. She uh, injured. She resigned her position um, to stay home, and then she was never be able, never able to go back. That's okay. That rule doesn't apply necessarily. To be able to go back is the sad part. Right. That is a tough disease. She could still apply for disability. It sounds like it. She certainly needs to call them and check because she sounds like she may be within the window. Right. Okay. Thank you so much. Good luck. Bye-bye. Thank you, Linda, for calling in today. We're speaking with attorney Angela Davis-Morris about Social Security disability law. Uh, We're very happy at MPB that we not only have Mississippi callers, we have them from Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, and we have uh, Daphne, Alabama. Barbara, we're glad that you called in. What's your question or comment for our show today? My question is, I have gone on disability a little over two years ago. And they told me that it took six months until, you know, I started getting my payment. But they said it would be retroactive. However, it wasn't. I tried going back to work, and I called them and let them know I was going back to work. And, indeed, I would be making more than the amount I was allowed to make per month. They kept sending me my checks. I worked for about five months and found out I couldn't do it. Then I proceeded and I called them up and let them know that I was no longer working. So during the whole time, my checks were never interrupted. Was that because they were paying me the six months that I had to wait retroactive and they were giving it to me at the tail end of it? Or is it going to be that I'm just going to have to pay back the extra money that they gave me? I think it has to do with a separate rule completely. There is a trial work period that's allowable, and they will allow you to go back to work and and maintain your benefits. Um, And you can do that for nine months out of a 60-month period. So um, that may be what that was. And if it was, then that is not money that would have to be repaid. Um, The back benefits may have been um, affected because there is a five-month waiting period for disability insurance. So the first five months, you don't receive any benefits. It looks like it should be retroactive and that you should receive something, but they take off the first five full months. Okay. I think I understand that. Thank you very much. Thank you for your call. And when we come back from the break, you can also give us a call with your question and your comments. Our number for in legal terms is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert, and we're joined by our guest, Angela Davis-Morris of the Davis-Morris Law Firm. Today, we're talking about Social Security Disability Law, and we're taking your calls and your comments. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We have one line open. Um, One question I had, remind me again, when we were talking about the Social Security Disability Insurance benefits, that's just the insurance, how long do you need to have been paying in? How long did you need to have been formally working uh, to be able to start collecting that if you had a disability? Generally about 10 years. Um, sometimes people have broken earnings records or they have mm-hmm. a little bit of time, so sometimes it right. might be a little longer. Right. Um, but that's a good average. Oh, okay. Excellent. So next, we're going to go to uh, Memphis. Uh, Lee, we appreciate you holding on. What's your question or comment this morning? Yes, uh, I have permanent multiple disability, and I've been on dis- I've been disabled for 20 years. Well, I've been I haven't been working for 20 years. And uh, my SSI is coming out of my FICA, from what I understand, and not disability, SSDI. And I was told after three years or some amount of time that it's supposed to go over and start drawing from disability and not taking it out of your FICA, which is my understanding that that's what you need for your retirement years to be there for you when you start actually needing to withdraw something and take out your Social Security, which I haven't done yet at 62. So I'm concerned, why are they still taking it out of my FICA and not taking it out of SSDI? Do I need to go and reapply for SSDI? Because I've been multiply, permanently disabled severely for many years. I, I don't understand why I'm not drawing from disability and why I'm drawing from FICA, SSI. What benefit are you receiving now for your disability? I'm receiving the SSI, the $735 a month. That is um, actually a needs-based program. That is not out of FICA. Okay. I was told it comes out of my FICA. I thought that's what I was... No, that's a separate program, that Supplemental Security Income Program that is not tied to earnings at all. It's tied to resources, so if you have more resources in your home or, or in your household, it can reduce the rate. But 735 is like the max you can get right now, this year anyway, into the next COLA. But that's not related to work. So they're taking it from not my FICA, but it's just a needs-based SSI. It's not disability. Is it disability? It must. Should I be drawing from SSDI and... Well, if you, haven't worked in, if you haven't worked in 20 years, um, it might be difficult to go back and try to prove that you were disabled during a time that you may have been eligible to receive disability insurance benefits. Um, now, you're calling from Memphis, I think. So SSI mm-hmm. is going to be a little bit different in Tennessee than it is in, in Mississippi. But the idea is the same. It's still a needs-based program. Well, I tried very hard not to go on disability because it was, I tried, I tore my body up and I tried not to go on disability. It was humiliating. Um, and it was a situation where I had to do something. And even though I was disabled, I continued to work and that. That actually went against me from what I have found out. Depending but, on when your medical records were, what they were documenting in the timeline, it, it can, um, but often doesn't. And I see a lot of people on disability that they they put their hang tags up in their cars. And, I mean, they're just driving sports cars and they're healthy and they're just really young. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying I I see it just repetitively where people are drawing, saying they're disabled. But people that are really disabled and have really severe disability and they really cannot work, it makes them, it gives them, it looks like the bad. It doesn't look good. It's bad. 
it hurts their moral stamina. If Lee <laughs> is concerned about what specifically she is where her money is coming from is there a, a, a phone number is there with social would this be a good just straight social security question that she could call the social security administration about yes yes i would go to ssa.gov and there's there's an 800 number there fantastic and uh lee we will have that 800 number on our website uh so that uh, people who have social security questions that aren't tied to social security disability law will be able to ask that lee thank you so much for giving us a call next we appreciate maddie from jackson maddie we're so glad that uh, you've been holding on uh give us uh your question or your comment about social security disability law Okay, uh, I was getting disability ever since 08, and in 2013, I had to take in my mom and dad, daddy 90-something, mama was 80-something, she died in March. So the income was over uh, a certain amount in the household. Even though there was all time and dementia patients, uh, so when mama died, I went and applied back. You know, they say you report your income, and then when your income change, you let them know you can get back on disability. And now they put me through all these changes to start all over again like I ain't never been disabled. But what do I do? Uh, in the meantime, they already declared me disabled in 08. And I just, it was just like an income uh, thing going on with the income. But now I need to back on so I can go to the doctor with my lupus. I'm a lupus patient. Yes, ma'am. You will probably need to reapply and start over. When you are um, taken off of SSI because of resources, there is a certain period of time during which you can say, my resources have now changed and I'm still disabled, and they will review that. And if, if that's accurate to their standards, then they won't put you through the whole process again. But if it has been too long, they will make you refile. And really, that prior filing doesn't have that much say today. They're going to make a new determination based on medical records that are current and based on your current resource situation. Well, see, I've been going to the same doctor for the last 15 years. That's in your favor. And uh, the first two people that got the case just said they were able to go back to work. Then when I went to the, horse, the doctor's office and I asked them, had y'all uh, received any information from disability about my condition? She said, no, I no one contacted them. So I went back to disability and I said, nobody from Lupus said y'all contacted the doctor. I gave y'all the name and everything. And they sent me to a law judge to hear my case. But from Lupus and you going to the same doctor's, uh, it, it's some of the medical records you can get for us saying that you are still disabled. I would lupus. You don't get better. Have you already I, had your hearing? Uh, I supposed to be going to a hearing with the law judge. They sent me the paperwork, and I'm in the process of filling all that out. Okay. You but, will need to probably help yourself in this situation and get your own medical records. You can get them from your doctor. And you can also get a statement from your doctor or ask them. You don't. What you don't need is a doc is a doctor just saying yes. I think you're disabled because that doesn't tell the judge what you can and cannot do. And that's really what they're going to be looking at. You need more information about how you function, what you can do in a day. Could you sustain an eight-hour day or a five-day week? And your doctor, if he's been treating you all these years, will likely have an opinion about that, and that might be helpful. Like I, like I tried to explain to them. My husband do my daddy. So I took him, my mom and daddy was living in no running water, no toys, in, in a full position. And the courts, somebody had to take him. And I, my dad, my husband bathe him and do all that. All thing most I do is like cook. And I, I bathe mama. And that's it for the rest of the day. I, you know, just wash them. You have to wash them because you have to wash them 24 hours. So I'm trying to 
I think your medical records are going to be the most important thing here. You will have an opportunity to testify when you go before the judge mm-hmm. and answer so those questions and let them know that you're not really doing all of these things for your dad and that your mm-hmm. husband actually is doing it. But I think you're, you really need those medical records. And if they haven't re- gotten those or requested those, you really might ought to do that yourself. Okay. Thank okay. you so much, yeah, Maddie. Yeah, we, out, yeah, you all got I can talk to in case I get an intestinal. We will have uh, Miss Davis Morris's contact information on our website. Uh, it'll be available on our mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not got any computer information, but... Okay, well, Maddie, why don't you hang on, and we'll have the call screener uh, uh, take your name and number down, and we'll pass it along to Miss Davis Morris. Thank you so much, Maddie. And next, we appreciate Beverly. Beverly from Columbus, you've been hanging on so patiently. We appreciate it. What's your question or comment for our show about Social Security disability law? Well, my comment is uh, a comment and a question. Um, I applied, I had back surgery, and from what I understand, uh, back surgery is the most difficult issue to draw any type of SSI or disability. I guess the, the, the health issue with that, because so many people have back issues. But I had a spinal fusion with two discs replaced. Anyway, I was forced to resign from my job because I had limitations. Well, I was still under the doctor's care. I had not been released, and I went to sign up for the SSI or the disability, and, of course, I was denied. And um, I resubmitted for review or whatever and was denied on that one, too. And so during that time, of course, I'm a single woman, so I... I mean, you know, my resources were limited, and, and after a period of no work, um, I, I was kind of forced to try to do something. And I have tried to work since then, but I still haven't heard anything else from um, the disability case. And the question, one question is, since I have tried to work, would I need to go back and reapply from the beginning? And uh, the other question is, um, is it better to use an advocate or is it better to get an attorney? Okay, on the first question, um, have you asked for a hearing? Did you file a request for hearing at some point? I d- yes, I did. Now this- I, have, I still haven't heard anything, and that's been probably almost a year and a half or more ago. Okay, those take a really, really long time, so I'm not really surprised. You might want to call Social Security and make sure that everything is still, you know, status quo and that you're still pending. I really wouldn't be surprised if you were, okay? So I don't, I doubt that anybody's dropped the ball there. I bet you you're still have a case. And you'll probably get a notice of hearing at some point that will tell you what judge and where to be and, you know, who you're going to speak with. And as far as whether to use an advocate or an attorney, well, I'm an attorney. I'm an attorney. Spent a lot of money on my law education, so I'm going to go with attorney. <laughs> but that's, um, but you know, other people have different opinions about that. And there are right. some advocates out there that are exceptional um, and well-versed and really know what they're doing. So, you know, if there's not necessarily a negative thing. I'm just teasing, you know, with my comment. Right, but, right. Um, but you don't have to have an attorney or an advocate. This system was built to be user-friendly. Um, it has since become not very user friendly, so you might want to check into somebody, you know, somebody to help you. Okay. Um, and and the other question was, since I have tried to work some here and there, um, will that disqualify what application I already have submitted? Would I need to start over or not? It will not automatically. Um, the judge will have an, an updated earnings record on you so they'll know what you've made if you've you know been paying been paid above board and you filed your taxes and whatnot they'll have right. that updated earnings record so they'll know and they will ask you about that and if it was limited and you stopped because of your problems they'll know that by the time your conversation is over with them and that will play so it's not an automatic anything um, but it will okay. be considered okay okay well it, i mean it, the, the whole disability process, and I understand, you know, that it's 
it's something that really has to be reviewed because so many people do abuse it. And But, you know, from standing in need of some support and some help, um, it's hard to see how people can get on it who really doesn't need it, you know? And, and for those people who really do stand in need of not just the financial help, but the, the medical help assistance too. I mean, it's, it's really, really hard. This whole process is extremely difficult. And I will say, and I, I do a lot of presentations to crowds and whatnot, and I often ask, what does it mean to be disabled? And if you ask 100 people, you're probably going to get that many descriptions of what it means to be disabled. And I think that often disabilities can't be seen necessarily to strangers or people that don't know these people up close. And so sometimes it's perceived that they're really not disabled when they might be. Um, not everybody. There are people who, who do try to work the system and whatnot. But but I think the vast majority of those get weeded out. This is a very difficult system. It's a very long process. The medical records have to be very secure these days. And um, I, I think that works well toward keeping the program in line with where it needs to be and offering disability to those who who truly need it. And Bever- not only need it, I'm sorry, financially, but yeah. need it because they're disabled and un- unable to work. All right. Beverly, we thank you for a call. We need to take our last break of the day. You're listening to In Legal Terms. Uh, attorney Angela Davis Morris is our expert on Social Security disability law. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. On most college campuses, sexual assault proceedings look like trials. Interest is growing in a different approach called restorative justice. What I really, really wanted was for him to step up to the plate and take responsibility. So this is me doing that. I have raped. The potential of a restorative approach and some concerns this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Our our guest today is Angela Davis Morris of the Davis Law Firm. We are running out of time for today. Um, we're going to go to uh, Kathy on the road. Paul, I'm sorry, we won't be able to get to your call. Kathy, can you have a quick question for uh, Angela Davis Morris on Social Security Disability Law? Yes, I have a really quick question. Okay, growing up, there was a lot of uh, families uh, that the male, female, they learned to steal. They passed that skill on to their children. They developed a family, and they carried that on. If someone becomes disabled because of an injury, and just say they're a welder, a mechanic, or electrician, is there anything wrong with them teaching that skill to their family members, maybe even their spouse, where they're able to continue income for themselves, not for the disabled person, where they can make income from it and continue on that family tradition. Is there anything legally wrong with that? I think it depends on whether that teaching equals work. If If Social Security would deem it to be work, in other words, if they're doing it full time and they are uh, mentoring, working full time, and in a normal world would be drawing money for that, then Social Security could say that equals work, sort of. That's my language, not their language. But um, if, if it's just I'm sitting in the corner and I'm pointing and I'm, you know, 15 minutes talking to you about something and trying to help you learn a skill, then no, that's fine. It's just if that training 
would be equal to work in the real world, um, that could potentially be a problem. Kathy, thank you so much for your question. We are glad that you called in today. Um, Angela, do you have any final thoughts that uh, we we got a whole list of things that we didn't get to talk to today? There's a couple of things I would like just just people who are interested in filing and who may be in the process of filing for Social Security Disability to know and to remember. One is appeal. Do not refile appeal. If if you're within your window and your appeal time frame, do not refile. Take that denial and appeal it and get to the next level because you want to get to the judge if, if that's you know, where you are. The other thing is to document. Document medically what's going on. Don't assume that the doctors know what's going on with you. Make sure they're writing it down so that when a judge gets your records, he knows what's happening. Because in my world, in our world, if it's not written down, it didn't happen. And that's that's what you're going to run into if you just presume they know and I don't tell them every single visit. So make make a point to do that, even if you have to make a list. Fantastic. Professor Gershon, do you have anything to add? No, just that uh, people should be uh, aware that if their employers are only paying them in cash, that means that they're not getting credit for their Social Security and time in the system. So they ought to consider that as well. Good point. Oh, thank you so much, both of you. That'll wrap up today's In Legal Terms. To hear today's show or a previous show, visit mpbonline.org, In Legal Terms. Or you can download the MPB Media app and listen on your smart device on demand. Our screen caller today was our intern, Patrick Price, and our board engineer has been Jay White. For Professor Richard Gershon, I'm our producer, Liz Gill. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking. Join us again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. 